Hello, my friends. Welcome to Master Samurai Tech Radio. This is a podcast by Appliance Techs for Appliance Techs. Today is March 27th, 2018, and this is episode 28. We're going to be talking about the biz of selling new appliances today. And uh, do some introductions here. I am your host, Samurai Appliance Repairman, and with me as always is... Mrs. Samurai. And we have a special guest co-host with us today, Justin Doobie with Just In Time Appliance Service. Justin, how you doing? Doing well. How are you guys doing today? We are doing great. And, you know, the miracle of the internet. I mean, I'm over here in Fiji at Samurai International Headquarters, and, and I've been here just sort of escaping winter in New Hampshire. Uh, Mrs. Samurai is in Ohio, and you are in Oregon. Way out in Oregon. Yep. Man, trans-global broadcast brought to you, all of us brought together at the same time by the miracle of the internet. All Don't right, you love let's it? hear it. Yay! Yay! So, yeah, and uh, let's give a quick rundown just of what we do. We, we, uh, do, we run MasterSamuraiTech.com, which is an online appliance repair training academy for appliance technicians, both rookies and experienced techs. Uh, have several online courses there that you can go through in a structured training sequence. We also run appliantology.org where you can get tech support and connect with a community of other techs, download service manuals and tech sheets. And oh, this just in, got another um, study that came in just like last time. And uh, this is printed. So this isn't from the internet. So you know this is real. Nine out of 10 astronomers agree that, and I'm reading it right here, uh, the best techs on earth in the entire Milky Way hang out at Appliantology. So there, there you, you go. Have it. Yeah. And you can subscribe to this podcast at mstradio.com, mstradio.com. You can subscribe to just the audio portion of the podcast. Uh, our YouTube channel is at mastersamuraitech.tv. Uh, you know, they're just an easy way to get to our YouTube channel and sign up for our newsletter if you want to keep up with what's going on and events that we will have periodically at mstnow.com. So we'll, we'll put these links in the description of the video. So just to give an overview, Justin is going to be sharing some of his valuable insights and perspectives from his experience in selling new appliances. Now, he also does a, a appliance service in his area, and he's going to tell us more about that and runs uh, and, and has uh, several techs working for him. And we're, so we're going to find out from Justin about his service area, years in the business, and then all the ins and outs of doing, selling new appliances. Right. We've never had a storefront. We've never sold new or used appliances. So this will be very interesting to learn more about your experience. Yeah, we're all going to be learning something new here. So Justin is in the new frontier for us. So Justin, we are, wait, we are looking forward to learning from you. Well, hopefully it's uh, valuable information. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's great to be here. But I'm from a little, little town in southern Oregon. It's uh, called Grants Pass. We have like 40,000 people, a little under. Pretty small market. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it's, it's a good town to live in. You know, it's tough. Our market is different than some. Uh, I try to target higher-end customers but we're from a fairly low income area so that causes uh, some issues with that but it's really really a good market we have a lot of competition in our area that we have home depot sears we have three other all whirlpool appliance dealers 
So for 40,000 people, the market is flooded here. So we really have to set ourselves apart from the competition. They have lots of choices. How, how long have you been doing appliance repair? Uh, myself, I've been doing it for 10 years now. I worked for okay. my grandfather for eight years before. Uh, now I've got just-in-time appliance and uh, had that for about two and a half years now. Okay. And, and you're, so you started out doing service and then gradually got yep. into used, I guess, selling used appliances. And then from there, you're going into uh, and selling new appliances. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a long story that I'll, I'll shorten up. But uh, I worked with my grandfather for a long time, actually, since I was like 16 years old. Uh, even we actually, I can take it all the way back to five years old. I remember tearing dryers <laughs> apart with him and keeping all the quarters out of it. So, uh, but started out there. And then my grandpa decided he wanted to halfway retire. So he gave me a service van, parts, tools, everything to start my own service company because he didn't want to give me the entire business yet, but he was ready to slow down and uh, deal with not the entire picture of service and used appliance sales. So he gave me that uh, a couple and eh, more like a year later, I took over his entire store. So that brought us into repairs selling parts, and selling uh, used appliances. Okay. All right. So what uh, you described the market, but the customers have a lot of choices and where they go, Sears, et cetera. What, what made you think uh, or gave you the idea to get into selling new appliances? What was your thinking there what, strategically from a business standpoint? So I found out when we'd go out to do a service call, since our area is flooded with a GE top load washers, a lot of inexpensive uh, washing machines. We all know that you're not going to repair those units when you go out. So I found the that replacement I was, costs are just too low. Yes, this is something we talk. The replacement costs on those things is too low to make it worthwhile to do pretty much any type of repair. The throwaway machines, basically, all the top load washers today. Exactly. Well, so we found ourselves losing, maybe not losing a customer, but I found a, a potential gain because we'd go out, we would do the, or well, try to do a repair. Of course, they would deny it at that point. Um, and we'd say, okay, we'll go down to uh, Sears or Home Depot or wherever and uh, buy a new appliance. So sayonara customer, we get our service fee and out the door. So my yeah. thoughts were, let's, let's get their customer for or keep the customer, not only do service for them, keep them happy, hopefully, and sell them a new machine, deliver it and then hopefully get their old machine where even though for a customer, it may not be worth repairing for us to bring it back to our shop, repair it and sell it again. Then we make money basically in all areas of that entire transaction. Makes sense. Right. So there's, there's much better margins in selling used than new, I would imagine. By far. Uh, when you're selling a used appliance, my goal is to at minimum double my money. When you're dealing with a new appliance, Depending on your distribution center, how many you're buying, many factors come into your profit, but generally 20% 20, 20 to 30% markup at most. 30 mm -hmm. is a really good profit margin. Ah, so. so it's it's really tough. So like on a um, $500 washer, you're, you're talking about like 150 bucks maybe you would make on that. Yeah, but there's so many other things that that's involved with that. You get the product shipped to you. Let's say it's freight damaged. Well, being being a little guy, you know, Home Depot or Sears, they just call up wherever and say, "Hey, send me another one." Well, as a little guy, I'm buying that washing machine, so I have to buy my customer another washing machine, 
so that they get their product quickly. So I've got, I've bought that washing machine twice now. I have to send it back to the distribution center and wait for my credit on that machine. Hmm. Oh, so yeah. cash that's flow the, that's can be a little part. tight. And, and you're paying cash shipping is an issue. And you're paying for freight, obviously. On that, so that's that's part of that cost. Your actual cost on the machine of getting that machine is the the freight costs. I imagine those exactly. are expensive. Freight costs has to be a lot too. For uh, what do they truck it in? I guess. Yeah, it's freight trucked in to us. Usually, freight is anywhere from fifty dollars to ninety-five dollars. Usually, is about the max, and that's only because my distribution centers they have accounts and whatnot with the trucking companies where they do so much volume, they get a discounted rate um, okay. or otherwise it, it would be astronomical cost for freight. Would it be the same uh, amount of freight, whether you're ordering two machines or 20 or does you know, the freight go up? It depends on the distribution center. There's one distribution center that depending on how much I buy, they will give me a discount. Um, the other one, it was a flat $95, whether I shipped one piece or 20 pieces, didn't matter. Uh. That's interesting. So, and all of this then pl plays into your cash flow. So, I mean, I don't know what yes. the, how often do they, yeah, you said, mentioned it takes a while to get returns back. Uh, if you have to ship something back that's defective, uh, are customers paying you cash or, or credit card or they, they do time payments? How, how are they paying you? So I don't do any terms with customers because I, I am a little guy. I'm paying for it up front. So mm -hmm. I have to do cash credit card, but that still can cause some cash flow issues because credit card doesn't hit the bank for two days. I'm paying for the product right now. Um, so that, that is a struggle as well. Really the, the entire thing about selling new appliances that I just never realized was it's really to back up even a little from that. It's things you don't ever think about will be a problem because you think, well, the business is making money. I'm going to be able to support this, but you don't think of, credit cards taking a couple days to hit, hit the bank, um, having the money to pay for the appliances. Cause initially I thought, well, I'll just get 30 day accounts with all my distribution centers. Well, since my business is only two and a half years old and you're buying new appliances, that's a lot of money. So they wouldn't give me the credit that I needed to be able to order what I needed to order. So that, that way cash flow is a, it, it is a major issue. So, uh, so you're having to pay up hurdle. front to get your yes. inventory. Mm-hmm. Now, will that change or, or what's, what are their, what is their, um, what are they holding out for you that, oh, well, after X number of years, then we'll, we'll put you on account. Is there any kind of deal like that, that that could come out for you? Yeah. Basically, as you grow your relationship with a distribution center, you can get terms. Um, definitely. What a lot of places do is they get an inventory finance company. I know Wells Fargo does it and they contacted me. So basically you get an account with them. You can buy all your appliances from the distribution center. Let's say you buy 50 units to put on your floor and they all go on an account and you pay monthly for that. So they split it up for 12 months. You pretty much pay equal payments. Um, that's one way to do it. I didn't want to go that route because with me just starting to sell new appliances, let's say I bring in 40 pieces on the floor and I, I don't sell that much stuff. I'm still paying that bill every month. Is the money going to be there? And what kind of interest do you have on, on an um, uh, inventory finance like that? You know, I didn't look into it that even that far because I knew okay. going into it that if I don't sell X amount of pieces, I'm not going to be able to pay this bill. So then I have employees that I have to pay. I have all the other bills mm -hmm. of doing business, which many of you know, and I have to be able to make my bills and pay my employees. 
So you've kind of, it sounds like maybe the other parts of your business that are more profitable are, they at least help you start in uh, getting, get into selling new appliances and maybe they're also helping keep it afloat. Is that uh, too much? Uh, definitely not too much. That, okay. That's for sure. <laughs> our service business has pretty much funded our new appliance store since we opened and we've only been selling new appliances for about a year. Okay. So there's, a, I guess, like the big box stores uh, who you're competing with, um, they're also getting, probably, they're able to buy the appliances at a lower price than what you're paying because they're getting the economy of scale thing going on. So their margins might even be better. Possibly. Um, I know they're buying tons. And at least for my town, I, I used to know the Sears owners that own the store in my town and Home Depot. I know the manager there too. So I know that they just... They call up the factory and say, hey, send me this, this, this up to, you know, 20 pieces on their floor. And yeah. they don't they don't pay for anything. So that's that's actually to talk about big box stores a bit. That's been the biggest struggle is competing with a big box store because they you, have so many units to look at. How do you compete with them? What set, what sets you apart from them and what's your unique selling proposition to make a customer want to buy with you versus a big box store? So hands down, you have to beat them on service, customer service. You go into Home Depot, Sears, Lowe's, wherever, you're getting a pretty much an uneducated employee of appliances. They're trained to sell you a product. They'll tell you it's going to last 20 years. They'll tell you whichever brand is the best. And really, it comes down to whichever product they make spiffs on, pretty much, at least from my knowledge. And that's yeah. where if you sell a unit, they get say, hey, you get $20 for selling that unit. So it's a bonus for the customer or they may be on a commission basis. So whatever product they make money on is what you're going to get sold. So we have to beat them on the service. Our customers come in and they trust us. So that's where we try to beat them. We did spend time getting a 0% uh, interest program for our customers. That's been huge because big box stores offer that. Um, but the mm. biggest problem is big box stores, like we just talked about, they buy in so much quantity that they can beat our prices, which is really tough. And especially in my market, not being money, money is not plentiful with everybody in our market. So they've got to save the money. We have a lot of customers that they really preach. We want to support local. It's really important to me. And then they come down and look at an appliance and we may be $50 more than Home Depot and they end up going with Home Depot or Sears. So to right. me, it's, well, you're not really wanting to support local. But you, you got to go where the money savings is. So that's yeah. a huge struggle. I see that sometimes with our customers that they'll, they'll call for a repair and they'll say, I know that, you know, it wouldn't cost that much more to buy new, but I'm really, again, I just don't want to keep sending machines to the landfill. So I really think I want it repaired. So we'll come out. And then we'll find out what it is, give them the quote, and then they look at the flyer or online for Home Depot and they'd go, oh, okay, I guess I'm just going to yep. find one. Yeah, money talks. Well, what about like um, competing with them by offering your customers something different, like not trying to sell the same brands? Is, there, is, is that kind of in your strategy too? Are you, you selling them something different to appeal to a different uh, market segment? Is, is that another way to go? Is that viable? Yeah, so that's where we have moved to in just recent months. Uh, we used to sell Samsung was one of our major brands uh, because my customers, they recommended, they'd come in and say, we really want to buy Samsung from you. You can only get them from Home Depot or Sears and we don't want to support them. We want to support you. 
So I spent the money and it, it was a lot of money to bring in Samsung and ended up having them for about six months. And then, and then I let them go. It, it didn't work out. I couldn't compete with Home Depot or Best Buy or any of those companies. So I've moved to selling smaller brand names and there definitely is a, not a massive problem, but you have to educate your customers that come in. So one of our major brands is Crosley, which most people that are listening to this or watching this has heard of Crosley. They're just a smaller brand, but they rebrand it similar to Kenmore. So they make Whirlpool laundry and they make Frigidaire kitchen products. It also helps us because if you go buy direct from Whirlpool or Frigidaire, you got to spend some serious coin to get in with them. So we're able to get those products. So Whirlpool Frigidaire actually builds the product and then Crosley just puts a Crosley label on it. Correct. They just, also, just like Kenmore. Okay. Yes, it, it, exactly. They also put a 10-year limited warranty on the product, which covers one piece of, you know, one part on the unit for 10 years. Um, so that is an added value for the customer to see. It's more of a marketing thing. But we all know Whirlpool Frigidaire units, they are decent units, not high end at all, but it does get me into a certain market with some of my customers. So I, I have to have that. So I just educate them on the Crosley and we make decent profit on the Crosley. So that that's a big seller. And um, big box stores not selling Crosley. So you're kind of, you've got a unique offering in that, uh, in that brand. Correct. Yeah. Big box stores generally don't sell Crosley. Um, it's generally small to medium sized companies. And even the me, the biggest medium-sized company in my area, they don't sell that much of it because I think they don't have time or willingness to deal with that struggle of educating the customer. Hmm. What's involved in so, educating the customer? Well, the biggest thing, especially with Crosley, because they're made by a different company, is we bring them in, we talk to them about the product, and they're like, oh, you know, I've, I've never really heard of that brand. That's pretty much when you throw out and you can tell them this unit is just made by Whirlpool. Anything you go look at it, any of the other big box stores, same unit. This is just a product for us that we can get. And the nice thing is, is it comes with a 10-year limited warranty. So it's a little extra security by getting the Crosley unit versus the Whirlpool or, or Maytag brand. And that, that does seem to help. Okay. Any other brands that you're um, offering that are kind of unique or maybe appealing to a particular segment of the market? Yeah, we've. I mean, we all know Speed Queen. They are great, yep. great laundry machines. I know there's some topics of discussion on that with their new design, but uh, Speed Queen, great products. And those as well, you can't get, at least in my area, at, at the big box stores. And I don't think they sell to any big box stores. I could be wrong on that, but um, that's a huge brand for us. And do they have a longer warranty period than usual? They do, yeah. So they've got uh, three different top load models, and one of them comes with a three-year warranty straight out of the box. The middle tier upgrade has five-year warranty, and then their highest end model has a seven-year manufacturer warranty. That's a huge selling point to the customers. Right. And I think customers, at least from what I see, they're really starting to understand that when you buy a new appliance, it's not unreasonable that they're going to start breaking after two, three years. Um, you know, that's finally getting out there enough that a, an ex a longer warranty past one year is very appealing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the toss up with the Speed Queen units is they are spendy. Uh, their base model starts at $899 and goes up from there. So it's not right for everybody because they also have a fairly small capacity. I think they're 3.3 cubic feet. So, you know, back 10 years ago, that was a pretty standard drum size, no big deal. But now with customers being used to the, you know, 5.5 mega capacity washing machines, 
um, they think that they're very small. So that's a big challenge with the customers as well. Are they front loaders as well as top loaders? You're offering both of those from Speed Queen? Right now, they stopped manufacturing their front loaders for the oh. residential market. I heard that they've got a massive, massive contract with some company um, or somebody anyway that's building their front loader. So they stopped producing, producing them for the residential market. So okay. only the top loaders right now. Hmm. Um, and then the other brand that we sell, a lot of people probably haven't even heard of it, maybe even listening to this, is Blomberg. And they're a European brand actually made in Turkey. And they, they make, in my opinion, pretty good products. And the price point is great. Uh, they make a full stainless tub, stainless dishwasher for $5.99 for the customer. Comes with a one-year warranty. Second year, they have a part warranty uh, on any of the functional parts. And then a five-year manufacturer warranty. So Easy to service it. and get parts for? Yeah, they, they seem to be pretty easy. You definitely have to be authorized with them, which made it easy for me because I purchased the product. Um, but you've got to be able to look up their documentation, which uh, you have to have their program to do. So that is a, a challenge for just a, a service standpoint. If someone calls you with a Blomberg unit and want you to service it, that can be an issue. So you've got, uh, similar with the Crosley, I imagine, you've got uh, people, oh, I've not heard of this brand, and you have to educate them on the brand. Uh, yeah. And, okay. Yeah, and so ultimately offering, the customers, oh, you know, they, they come to us because they trust us. So educating for us is not too hard, but it does have its challenges. Yeah. Yeah, so you're offering full line then. You're going kitchen as well as laundry. You've got, uh, what, dishwasher, any refrigerators? Yep, we've got refrigerators. The okay. Crosley still they make a Crosley makes a full line laundry, kitchen products, everything. Blomberg makes everything. It's a little bit more more limited, uh, specialty type stuff. And Speed Queen, as we know, is just just laundry. Well, but there's a couple other brands that we sell to. We've got Danby, which is the cheapo apartment stuff, and uh, I can get Uline products. I don't sell a lot of them due to them just being a high end product. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other smaller ones. And that's that's just where we had to focus our time and effort is those smaller brands to educate customers. Because on Speed Queen and Blomberg, we're making almost 30% on that product. So that's where the money's at. That's okay. where we went. And you're selling, it, is Blomberg offer cooking appliances or Crosley, either one of those? Yep. They, they oh. both have cooking products. So you got the full line then. Yeah. Yeah. Very we've good. got it all. It also right. sounds like you have a, a variety of price points. We do. Yeah, we start off, I mean, basically, we've got a cheapo top load washing machine starts at $349. Um, Crosley's top of the line washer ends up ending at $649 is what we sell it for. Um, and then we've got Speed Queen all the way up to over $1,000 for laundry. Uh, the Blomberg stuff can be pricey. Their dishwasher is very reasonably priced. But their slide-in ranges um, actually just got back from training in Utah on them. Uh, they are built very well, but they're $17.99 for the customer, and their refrigerator is almost $3,000. So that's oh, getting yeah. that's dabbling in the high-end market just, just a little bit, that mid-high-end tier. And that's why I have all lines, because we have customers coming into the store, and they're either going to look at used, which we have in our back room, or they may be looking for something high-end. They may be looking for something at just a lower price point that's in my opinion, semi subpar quality, but you know, you, you only have so much money to spend. So we've tried to appeal to whatever customers walk through our door. So you're wanting, yeah. So just to kind of summarize some of the main things that I've, I'm hearing you say, 
you want to offer something unique uh, that so you're not directly competing with the big box stores because they're going to beat you on price. So you want some unique brands with some maybe some unique features in them, like warranty features, that kind of thing. Uh, and you want to have full line if possible. It just increases your chances of being able to sell something to a customer. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's super important. And yeah, so, it, it's kind of it's a cool vision. It sounds like it, it, it just it's tricky to get the numbers to work out. But I, I know how it is. We just from talking to our own customers when they realize it's time to buy a new one. Um, I'd say at least half of our customers will yeah. ask us, well, do you sell? You know, because they, they've already made a connection with us. They trust us. And they also want the convenience of pulling the trigger. You know, I've already fooled around enough trying to get this thing working, you know, to start a whole new research project is yeah. a hassle. So, you know, there is that comfort and they would like that convenience. But There's a whole nother side to that too, though, that, that we have found. Oh yeah. Um, you know, cause we, we have got a lot of customers that wanted that as well. Or one thing that we found is when they call us and they've got a GE top load washer or a cheapo Kenmore, you know, we generally tell them it's really not worth the repair here. I mean, you're going to be two, $300 for the repair. You spent $300 on the unit, probably not worth it. So then we go into, you know, we sell new appliances as well. So come down, we, we can help you. Well, it caused an issue where customers think that you don't want to service their product. You just want to sell them something new. Ah. And in a, in a consumer's eyes, they, I, I mean, I've learned this in a year. They think you make a ton of money when you sell new appliances because <laughs> yeah. they are, they are expensive. They, I mean, so that's been a problem. And it's even been even more of a problem when you're out servicing a product because you tell them, Hey, it's going to be, you know, five, 600 bucks to repair, whatever, mm. you know, come down, we can get you set up with a new one. They think you just threw them out of high repair cost because you don't want to do it and you want to sell them something. And it's just, it's just, the, the, they don't know that it's the economic reality of appliances today. I mean, that's, that's our big, biggest competitor in doing service is the low replacement cost of a lot of these machines. And people a lot of times don't believe us. So how do you deal with that? How do you, or, or is that, if somebody's like that, is there just no overcoming that? There's no overcoming that. And I, I got the sense of it um, pretty quickly. So I actually told my guys, you know, if they ask you if we sell, tell them yes, but don't, don't press them to come down to our store because then it shows that maybe we're trying to get their money, uh, more of their money. Of course, we're always trying to get the customer's money, but we're really here to, provide them a good service. Like right. that's what I struggled with is I really was telling them to come down because we have great brands to sell you and you're going to get good service from us way better than the big box store. But they, they couldn't understand that. They almost thought that we were trying to scam them. So I had to change that whole business procedure that we did on that side of it. There's a, I've, I've, we've noticed this too. I think a lot of anybody in business notices is there is a, an inherent bias towards businesses. It's, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's like, oh, if you're in business, you're making the big bucks. Therefore, I, as a consumer, need to do whatever I can to try to get over on you. And I need to take this posture of being skeptical rather than, especially if they've got a relationship with you, they know you, I mean, rather than just assume the best about you. But a lot of people will automatically assume the worst. Yeah. I've even had customers that I've had for years that they know we sell new now and they actually will go buy the exact same product from somebody else. I've had that happen multiple times. Which oh, why? Just, what would be their, I, what's their reason for that? I don't know. I, and that's something that I couldn't really, I couldn't press with the customer because I ended up calling her to follow up. And the, yeah. in one particular instance, anyway, 
you know, hey, what happened? Did you get something new? Like, yep, I bought it over at such and such place. Like we sell the same product and well, oh, you know, fair. I just, I was in that area. So I stopped by. So that's frustrating, you know, cause you, people are fickle you, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're mistrustful yeah. and they're fickle. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's another, another struggle. One of the, bringing us back to the big box store situation a little bit, which I may drag us back into a few more times before we're done with this. Cause they're always your biggest competitor, you know, customers, they, you go out, you tell them you sell products. Well, then they want to know, Oh, great. Well, this is the biggest thing. Does my service fee apply to buying a new appliance? No, it, it doesn't. We've provided a service to drive to your home. We have gas, insurance, time, wages, everything. The service fee is separate. So then they ask, well, do you guys offer uh, any type of free delivery? Well, the big box stores do free delivery as well. But when you're a small independent dealer, sometimes delivery is where you make the most of your money. So you can't give that away. Well, and it's a real um, cost. Exactly. You've you got and to pay a guy to deliver it and, and, and I guess install it too. Are you doing installations it, it, as well? We're doing install as well. Yeah. And then, you know, you're exactly right. But then too, you go to Home Depot and Lowe's, wherever they have a, a veteran discount, which I would love to offer a veteran discount. But when you're only making 20 points and they give a 10% veteran discount, they want a veteran discount. They want free delivery. They want this. At that point, you just don't even sell them a unit. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time. Right. And it basically, if they're not seeing um, uh, the unique thing that you're offering, the big box is not offering, you know, service and, uh, and then the follow up after the sale. And, and uh, if, if they're not seeing that, if, if you haven't shown them that somehow, then you're probably not going to be able to win out over the big box stores. For some exactly. reason, people seem to trust the big box stores. Isn't that weird? It drives me absolutely crazy. But you're right. They think coming to a small dealer that you're out to get them. Almost, yeah. I kind of compare it to a used car salesman lot, like a used car lot. You go to a used car lot. Why did that car lot or why did that used thing get turned in? Even though we're not selling, we're still selling new appliances to the customer. I, for some reason, I still get that vibe that the little guy is just out to get them and get their money. When really, we're, we're here to take care of them. It's in our best interest to take care of them. It is an odd, odd phenomenon I've noticed that people will trust an impersonal big corporation more than they will a personal small company that's local to their area. And, and I, I don't know what, what the, that's a malfunction to me. And I don't, I don't understand how that came about, but, but I've noticed, I've noticed exactly as like people will trust Facebook with all of their data. And then, of course, all of this stuff that's breaking on Facebook now, mm -hmm. but they you know, won't trust another site. It's, it's just really uh, a smaller site that's free range and not run own, uh, not on the corporate plantation. It's just mm -hmm. really odd. The same type of malfunction that I see uh, online, as well as what you're describing uh, in, in appliance sales. Yeah. And it's a real struggle. Mm -hmm. So is, um, <clears throat> what about, uh, Oh, you, so you sell an appliance to someone, you, you've gone through the whole song and dance with them and, and, uh, and they, they bought something from you and they got, Oh, I don't like it. What's your return mm. policy? How do you get it? I mean, what do you do in that? I just don't like, I don't like the way the door opens. I mean, what, whatever. The, the color's not the same under my lighting as it was in your showroom. And then the, the whole real estate thing is a whole nother issue I want to get into. But because uh, you got to have a showroom and real estate to store them and things like that. But, but uh, first of all, what do you do when a customer is just, they get it and they're not happy with it. Don't, I don't like the way the washer washes or, or you know, whatever the complaint is. What do you do in, the, in that kind of case? 
that is a, a massive problem because, and yet again, bringing us back to the big box stores, you go buy something at Best Buy or Home Depot. Generally, you have 30 days. You can take it back. Well, for me, I may only have one of those units in stock. Sometimes I'll even sell the floor model and take it out to a customer. They try it and they decide they don't like it. They want to bring it back. Well, we do everything we can to educate them that let's use a wash machine, for example. The lid's going to lock. I'll straight up tell a customer, you're not going to like this machine. You want a speed queen because you want it to fill up with water. That's what you're telling me. This Whirlpool built unit is not going to do that. Well, they don't want to spend the money. So then they buy that Crosley Whirlpool unit and they get it back and they don't like it. So it's really, it's really hard because wow. you're stuck in this. Do you refund the customer to sell them something different they like? Because maybe they will want to upgrade at that point. Well, great. So you're going to return that and sell them a speed queen where you're going to make more money. But now you've got a unit that's technically used that you have to sell at a discounted rate. The customer is not going to want to pay another delivery fee because they've already paid a delivery fee once. So you end up losing real money. So it comes down to do you take care of the customer or do you stick to your policy of no returns? Sorry, you have to deal with the product that you bought. Um, you almost have to vet the customer. You have to have, so, yeah, and I guess this only comes with experience, but sometimes it, that getting that experience can be a very expensive proposition and, and people can go out of business. And, and the, by the time they get the experience to be able to discern, is this the right customer to sell to? Or should I just say, you know, I, I really don't think that we've got the products that are going to meet your expectations. And we have done that. There has been times where I've been talking to customers and I, re I tell them, I really think your best bet is going to be with one of the big box stores because they, they don't want to, I mean, ultimately someone walks into my store, I try to sell them a speed queen because we have a lot of older folks in our community and they want to, they want to be able to adjust the water level. They want the old school style washer where the Crosleys, which are made by Whirlpool, as we talked about, they, they look, they have knobs, they look like they're going to be that old style machine and they're yeah. not. So you have to educate them on what they're getting. And that also includes changing the customer's expectations because some people that are walking into your showroom, they haven't bought a washer in 15 years. They don't understand that the $400, $300 washing machine is not going to last 15 or 20 years like their old one did. You have to buy the $1,000 model to even have a chance for it to last that long. And that's so another true. struggle that they don't get. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, you, you, the, the good news is you can pay today about what you would have paid 15, 20 years ago for, for an appliance. But the bad news is it ain't the same machine inside that box there. And it can't be to meet that price point. And um, exactly. it's a, it, that's a weird thing. Manufacturers have recognized this. That's why they do this because they hold focus groups. You know, manufacturers, it's expensive to tool up a factory to build a product that then you want to make sure it's going to sell. So they do all kinds of marketing research, focus groups and things like that. They're not going to go tool up a factory, put the money into engineering and production if nobody's going to buy it. So, and consistently in these focus groups, what people, what they find out is, would you rather have a uh, product that's higher quality and will la have the, last the same as your 15, 20 year old machine, but you're going to pay three times more for it? Or would you rather have the same number on that sticker, the price sticker, but it's only going to last a year or two before you need a repair? Consistently, people say, I want the same number on the price sticker. Yep. That's what we deal with all the time. They come in, they want to know what's the best machine to buy. I don't even care what brand we're talking about. This is the best one. Well, it's, it's this much. I don't want to spend that much. Okay, well, you just asked me for what the best product is. That's what I told you. So, yeah, you can get that, but it's not going to last. And I, I constantly use the, 
you your old machine you are now comparing apples to oranges they yes. are not the same thing anymore and you're upfront about that you're upfront with telling them the reality tell them look you, you, this is a, a an appliance that's, that's about what you paid 15 20 years ago but it's not going to last as long before you need a repair that's just the reality and you, you tell people that right yeah right up front um and that, again, that's another struggle when you're trying to take care of your customer because they've already been to Home Depot or wherever and they may have been, oh, I can get this LG and it's got a 10-year warranty and it's, it's great. Well, we know they're not hearing warranties that. on the, yeah. They, yeah, they're exactly, not, the, the, the they, sales guys at, at Home Depot and uh, they're not telling them the reality of the appliance landscape today because like you said, they're trying to push a product they're going to get the biggest spiff on and they're not going to say, well, yeah, it. you can get this one, but yeah. So, so they're, they're not getting accurate information, but then again, the perception, big box stores, I trust them. Oh, uh, just-in-time appliance repair, little local business. Oh, I know he's trying to get me somehow. There's That's that kind exactly of, right. Yeah, yeah. Weird psychology going on. Yep. What about real estate? And do you have to have like a big storage area, big showroom? I mean, you had to have a nice showroom set up. There's a lot of work just to, I imagine, setting up the showroom. And then you yeah. got a store product. Yep. So we actually had our... We call it home base where all of our service trucks are parked and we sell our used appliances. Well, I actually opened up a whole nother showroom that was in a better location than our home base service company. And it was beautiful. I mean, great floors, beautiful building. Of course, that comes with the price of, you know, you have to pay a lot more for, for a lease. But I thought, honestly, I'll be real. I thought I was going to sell a lot more appliances than I did. So we actually ended up closing down that store because one of our customers were very confused because my grandfather had owned the location I'm at now for over 35 years. So people knew where we were. They couldn't understand that we had two locations. It actually caused a real business struggle, actually. But that place was 2,000 square feet. Really nice. Had everything displayed. I actually moved everything back to our other place uh, where we do all of our repairs and we have a smaller showroom. And that's why I switched to just the smaller brands that I trust a little bit more for the customer. So you don't necessarily have to have a super large showroom, but when you scale down your showroom, that does run into a problem when the customer walks in. You don't have a lot to show them and customers mm -hmm. want choices. Mm -hmm. uh, and the showroom, and of course, then, being a showroom, it's gotta be nice. You gotta have carpeting, I imagine, and nice decoration. Yep. So it's not like a shop where you're walking into a place that uh, does mostly service and then sells parts. Um, it, exactly. Yeah. It, it's an it's an image thing. I mean, customers yeah, have to trust when they walk in that your place looks good. They're going to get a good product if they if they buy it from you. Um, totally. And storage is always a problem too. With us, as small as we are, we don't have a lot of stock. I probably stock six dishwashers, a couple laundry sets, um, and maybe an eighteen cubic foot fridge. Like I don't I don't stock a lot because, as we talked about earlier, the earlier, excuse me, the, the cash flow issues. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very hard to stock product to have that money sitting on your, or in your warehouse. Yeah. So you're, you're running three uh, service techs, am I right? Yeah. yeah and then uh, do you have like a, another guy that does just delivery and installs or does or is one of your techs do that as well? So I've got <laughs> one tech that does part-time service. Uh, we're not quite busy enough for three full-time technicians. So he takes on our, our deliveries. Okay. So uh, and, and does that. double duty. All right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, if someone wants to get into this and we kind of talked about how and what your rationale was and your strategy was for getting into it, um, what's, and they're going to have to have a showroom. 
Um, they're going to, you know, someplace that people can walk in and buy them. They're going to have to uh, establish a relationship with a local distributor, find them. How would, yeah. how would somebody find a distributor? What, would you just do an internet search or how do you know who's a good distributor in your area? They're hard to find, actually. Yeah. Uh, I ended up having to call a company that I knew in not even a local town. It's like four hours away and ask them, hey, who do you guys use for your distribution center? Because they, they do the same thing we do now. They do service and sales and they do the whole shebang. So they got me in contact with who I had to get in contact with. Um, and you're always looking for better deals, different brands, trying to hear of any phone numbers, emails you can get. Um, and that's the way that I found out about it. I mean, you can do a web search and find it, but it, it can be tricky to find a distribution center. And even when you do, you may say, Hey, I want to sell Bosch. I found this distribution center. So you call them up. We don't, we don't sell to the West coast market. It's, it's to somebody else. So then you maybe get that phone number and they stopped selling the product a month ago and you have to go to this distribution center. So it's a constant change. Nothing is constant in, in uh, the distribution center. So there's some sleuthing. It's not just a, a Google search. It's, it's you, you've got to have connections, talk to people and, and make phone calls. And then, okay, you don't do it. Well, then can you refer me to someone who can? You got to sleuth it out. Correct. And then another, I wouldn't call it a, a major issue, but it, it can be dealing with your distribution centers is they, they, if they have an established, if they have an established relationship with another company in your area, they may not sell to you. Uh, I actually ran into this when I opened my store. I was going to bring in Samsung and LG when we first opened. I wanted to sell both those brands because, again, Home Depot and Sears were the only place you can get them in our area. And I wanted to be the local, locally owned option for our customer. So I went through the entire process. I picked my models. I submitted everything that I wanted for my floor units. Everything looks great. I had my building leased at that point. At the very end, right before they shipped them, they pulled it from me and decided that they didn't want to sell to me. So I had to completely oh, change man. my business model to what brands I'm going to bring in. So getting the brands that you want, even brands that you can get even and get from the distribution center, it can be tricky. So any, I tell anybody that's, that's opening or trying to open an appliance store to sell anything, make sure that you get your brands before you lease a building or make sure that it's 100% done and you have that contract because they oh, can pull it anytime. Advice. Yeah. And you may even, you, you may decide you want Whirlpool and, oh, great, I'm going to start selling this and get everything prepped. And then you call the distribution center and they may say, no, I've got, I've got a dealer 50 miles from you and they do a massive amount of volume. So yeah. I don't want to sell it to you. And then that's going to affect your, your marketing. Maybe you have signage made up for that, or maybe you're putting out print advertising for that, or you've got online stuff uh, for, to tout and hold out that you're selling this brand. And then they, they can pull the rug out from under you. So then you've got to change all that up. So that's a, a, a whole nother cost item right there. Yeah. And that was one of my, I mean, I'll be honest, that was one of my biggest business mistakes that I made in this is uh, the old saying, counting your chickens before they hatch. That's, that's exactly what happened. And it made it tough because I had to go from selling LG and Samsung to selling Crosley, which was, which is great. Then I had to sell some GE products and get some other items in that I, I didn't really trust for my customers to buy. Um, so that, that's a big deal. So I, I just warn anybody that's thinking of selling appliances, opening a store, even if you're going to be a service company and maybe sell to some customers, make sure that you, you have talked to the distribution center and it's okay for you to purchase their product. Get the account set up mm -hmm. before you count your chickens. 
Right. So a lot, lot of, sorry, hon, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just agreeing, but I, oh. I, I was just thinking maybe it's a good time to kind of summarize, like, Justin, what would you tell somebody who's maybe thinking about this? I mean, what, what would be a reason to, you know, for somebody to think this is a good move for me to do with, our, with my business? What would you encourage them to think about? So think about issues that, and, and this is part of the reason that we're doing this today, is struggles that you don't think about. Shipping issues, damage product, cash flow issues, that type of thing. You really need to sit down and plan everything out to if you want to do this. When I signed up with one of my distribution centers, my sales rep actually asked me, are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's very hard. And he is right. It has been the hardest thing I've ever done in business is selling new appliances. And it means that it, it may not be the right choice for everyone, but it doesn't mean that it's a bad choice for everyone. Um, for me, selling used appliances, selling parts, doing the service, it's, it still makes sense for us. Uh, I've had to change the way that I do it uh, to make money. But mm-hmm. if you're thinking of just, if someone's listening to this and you're just thinking of opening up a new appliance store and you don't, have, you don't do a lot of service yet or you're pretty small, I would say it's not for you yet. Also, you have to, be, you have to know going in that it's going to take a lot of time for you to plan and get everything set up and even dealing with ordering product and shipping product and all this stuff, it's going to take a lot of your time. So if you think that you're going to do service as a one or two man operation and sell, and it's not going to eat up a bunch of your time, it's going to be a quick products or uh, excuse me, quick process. It's just not, not the truth. So just be aware going into the, that it's going to take some work and time for you. So there's a lot um, of that. You're going to have to work. <clears throat> It, exactly. Yeah. A lot of back end admin work. And you've got to make sure you have the cash or decide you're going to do a inventory finance company or, yeah, you know, there's a lot of factors in it that I myself never even thought of. So, and the time and people, because uh, do you have a separate person that helps you with some of the admin stuff or is it, or is it just you and Stephanie, your, your, your wife, uh, Stephanie uh, running the whole thing? Right now, it's, it's just us. And that's actually by doing this whole business move we did of selling new. It's pulled me off the road as a tech because I used to be a tech myself. Mm-hmm. So now I can't do any service work because I'm busy dealing with the business side of it. Um, and that's been tough for me, too, because I like to have my hands in it. I like to be doing the service work. Um, so that's been a struggle, struggle as well. So it may or may not be for you. But think about what you want to do. If you want to be locked down to an office, which you may or may not be, you may find a way to be able to sell products and not be locked down to an office. But it really, you really have to put some thought into if you want to do it, because it's going to take a lot of time. Honestly, I'm 27 years old. If I was older and I didn't have maybe a family member that might take us over in the future or um, we're growing very rapidly, so I might be able to even sell this company in the future. But if I wasn't 27, I probably would have hung it up and said, I'm not going to sell new appliances because there's way more money in service. But it's a I've lot got a of long headache, road ahead a lot of time and hassle for not much money it, it, and Definitely. just the new appliance realm. Yep, exactly. So if you're going to do it, have a whole business model planned out and really think it through. And if you decide to do it, you have to put your heart and soul into it because you can't halfway do it and make any money. Okay.
So a bad reason to get into selling new appliances is thinking that you're going to make a killing. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> it's got to be one small part going. of an overall plan, an overall um, uh, stra strategic uh, platter of offerings. Exactly. And our strategic plan was keep that customer. I don't want to send them somewhere else. If it has to do with anything appliance related, I wanted that customer coming to us. So you have to know your limitations. You may be better to just send them to the big box store, take care of them for service. Because we, we talked a lot of cons throughout this whole thing, but there's a lot of pros. You gain a lot of customers, you get foot traffic. So whether they purchase from you or not, they know of you. Once they're in your store, they know you service. Um, they know you maybe sell parts or whatever. So you gain a lot of almost in some ways credibility with some customers because selling new is this big, awesome thing. And mm -hmm. you must be a great company because you sell new and not everybody thinks that, but th there is some marketing involved with this as well. So hopefully you're going to get that customer and keep them in all aspects of for anything appliance related. You're going to keep that customer then for life. And that's Ex kind of the exactly. Exactly. Yep, because right. if they, it's a, in my opinion, if they go elsewhere, even a, another local dealer, they may do service as well. You have a chance of losing that customer completely. Maybe they won't call you at all for service because they went over here, you know, a mile down the road and they bought a product and they really liked their services. So I thought, let's try to keep the customer. Let's not give them an option to go to a different company. We want to keep them. Yeah, well, that, it's an appealing model um, that I'm sure other people have thought of is to be that very full service appliance company, you know, that yeah. you can cover all the bases and, and, uh, but you, you've really done a great job of laying out the realities of it and that it has to be entered That's into what very I thoughtfully. <laughs> well, and yeah. great job running, putting this whole all together mm -hmm. and you're only 27 and, but you know, you've been in the biz for a long time. So you've had a, a good exposure to service and selling used. It was kind of a natural progression for you. I think that's probably the other thing I'm getting out of this is you need to know the business and you need to, you need to have connections in the business and, and, and then really understand your customer base, your market. You need to understand that market and, and make strategic choices about what brands you're going to sell uh, to position yourself to not directly compete with the big box stores. So uh, that's awesome. I mean, exactly. You, you figured that all out at, at such a young age and some guys go to, go to Harvard MBA to get this kind of, <laughs> well, some of it I found out, I found out the hard way, you know, being, you talk about being young, which yeah, is, is great. I, I, I'm, I'm very stoked at what me and my wife is, we've accomplished in a short amount of time, but we've made some young, dumb mistakes too. So trust me, there's, there's mistakes along the way. Oh, you know, you're always going to make them. The key is uh, to learn from them and also to keep them few uh, because, you know, you only got limited number of time in our lifespan. And if all you're doing is making mistakes, well, you don't have enough time to recover from that. But as long as you, you're, you can anticipate some of the pitfalls, like the whole reason for our conversation today to maybe give some other people who are thinking about this, uh, what things to look out for, give them some heads up and then and then just respond quickly to changes like you were describing that you had to do. Respond quickly in your brand offerings, your your mix of appliances and to things that will change on you without uh, without your uh, uh, having any control over it. You know, somebody pulls a rug out from under you of a manufacturer. So that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's right. great. I, I enjoy it. So but uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, good. Justin, thanks so much for taking time out to tell us and share your experience with us. And I'm, I'm sure this is going to be very helpful to a lot of other 
uh, appliance business owners out there who are contemplating uh, getting into this uh, area of the business. So thanks so much. Congratulations on your, uh, your great job running, running your Thank business. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, and if anybody yeah. has any further issues or want to discuss this more, I'm, I'm on Appliantology, of course, where all the best techs <laughs> hang out. Uh, and my username is Appliancemann97. So if anyone wants to message or get into a further conversation, you know, I'm, I'm here to help the industry as a whole, like everybody else is on Appliantology. So hit me up with whatever questions you guys have. That's awesome. Thanks, Justin. That's uh, Justin Doobie with Just-In-Time Appliance Service or Appliance Repair. What's your proper uh, company name? It's Just-In-Time Appliance Repair. You nailed it. Appliance Repair. Okay, great. In uh, Grants Pass, Oregon, the emperor of Grants Pass, <laughs> uh, Grants Pass has graced yeah. us with his presence today. All right. Well, thanks Thank for having so me much. on, guys. I really appreciate it. That's awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Justin. Of course. We'll see you later. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. So that wow, our still first there, special yeah. guest appearance. That yeah, was awesome. so that was a first actually. Uh, our first yeah. time having a special guest co-host with us here on uh, MST Radio. So yeah, that was great that he took the more. time out to uh, talk about this. I know it's a topic that a lot of people have contacted me about, asking about it. And since we didn't do it, Justin was uh, happy to explain his, uh, his the ins and outs that he's experienced with it. So that was yeah. fantastic that he did that. Yeah, and he, so, he didn't mention that uh, in the time he's been doing all of this, they also had two children. <laughs> so yes, they you talk about got, a busy couple. Two young kids while they're doing all of this. So uh, how do these young people do it today? I mean, well, they're young. <laughs> that's, that's the key. That's the that's, key. Yeah. So, yeah, and I just wanted to wrap up uh, with some, another bit of news here. Uh, people may or may not have heard about the big, uh, and I mentioned it earlier on in the show, that... Um, the big Facebook kerfuffle, Facebook caught selling the personal information of over 50 million people to a marketing firm. Um, and so, it, you know, in fact, there's a video of uh, Mark Knickerbocker, I know, Zuckerberg. <laughs> oh, wait, we got to interrupt. Look who came to visit. Oh, it's Fergus. That's our daughter Ivy's cat. It's our grand kitty. Yay, grand kitty. So he finally came up to you. He got yep. up off his nap. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there was a video of him in 2009 saying Facebook absolutely does not sell and will never sell personal information. And, no. and now 37 state attorney generals are investigating them for this story. And this is a big story because not only is it a complete betrayal of trust, people using uh, Facebook and, and uh, uh, you know, reporting on all aspects of their lives and they're sort of gathering all of this information, putting together a whole profile, a marketing profile on you and selling it. But I'm, and I predicted this back in uh, episode, what was it? Um, 23, I think. Episode 23, back in February 8th. Yes, I, I predicted this, totally called it. So this is what they're doing. And now they've been caught actually doing it. And I'm telling you, this is this scandal is just the tip of the iceberg for the really creepy things that they're that they're doing. And so they're, they're sort of letting, OK, let's let this out so we don't let this really bad stuff come out. And then now we see today another story where uh, the uh, Cambridge Analytica, the people that Facebook sold your profile information to, a whistleblower said that now Facebook is actually listening to you at, at work and at home. Yeah, they're actually turning on your microphone with your app. Uh, on your phone and listening in on you. So really creepy well, stuff. And it's going to get about. even more creepy than that too. So just a, just a little uh, heads up 
to, to people listening. I know a lot of people are all, it's, it's, and it's a similar type of um, psychological malfunction. People will trust Facebook because they're a big corporation, but they won't trust the free range internet. Uh, you know, maybe they have trust issues with, I don't know, Plantology or whatever site is out there that is not like a big corporation. Similar thing that Justin was describing. People will trust the big box stores, but not the little mom and pop shop. So yeah. just kind of a, a little uh, interesting synchronicity there, I thought. Right. Well, I think we're, we, we carry our old models of media uh, over to things like Facebook or other online things. And so, you know, it's, it's fine. We understood that, you know, advertisers on Facebook would be using our, they were using our profile information to figure out what ads to target to us. Fine. You know, that's advertising. We're kind of used to that. But there are so many more nefarious ways that technology can be used or if they are indeed selling this information to outside parties to use in different ways or to government entities, whatever it is. It's like, no, that's not that's not OK. It's, it's they fine are. to have the ads showing to me on Facebook. I, I understand that. It's like buying a magazine. You've got ads because they you make big that money magazine. doing that, too. And th right. they are selling it. To, they are their police departments are using AI computer AI uh, programs to do data digging. You know, they, they scour the data. They're putting they're, they're getting information from uh, Google is helping with this and also from Facebook. So everything that you post, everything you talk about, even in private groups on Facebook, they know all of this stuff. It's not like it's some little secret um, little pool in the internet that's that's private. No, it's it's quote private. It's not really private. And all of that stuff, they're compiling a whole dossier on you that then can be mined. That data can be mined. Go through with with AI programs put together and uh, flag certain patterns. This could result in loss of a job, it could affect your business, uh, it, could, uh, it could invite an, uninvite, an unwelcome SWAT visit, uh, which never, uh, rarely has benign effects. Uh, this stuff's coming, and uh, this, this, this total, in fact, not, uh, Zuckerberg said, a, a year after the 2009 interview, the age of privacy is over. He took a complete 180 reversal of what he said uh, in 2009 in a video uh, interview. I actually saw a video of him saying that in a clip where he was interviewing. I think it was BBC was interviewing. Um, so yeah, this stuff's coming. There, there. Uh, any kind of information you put out there in in the in the corporate social media plantations, uh, they they are all of that stuff's getting combined. Here's right. the other rule of thumb too with the internet: nothing is free. If you're getting free access to a site that does all of this cool stuff, you're paying with your personal information and and you become the product and they are monetizing you they want everything about you your interests your fetishes your mind biometrics even i mean they they get your voice print uh some cases your thumbprint i mean what, whatever they're doing they're, they they have you a digitized you that then they sell uh or uh give to government agencies for profiling right so it's worth thinking is that you know, are you okay? Is that a, a fair transaction? Are you willing to do that? Or would you prefer to look for other uh, outlets that maybe have a small fee that you pay and you don't have 
that downside. Right, and that's that's a, a great point. I mean, that's the a paleontology uh, is an as an example is part of the what we call free range internet. We're not part of the corporate plantation. So yeah, that's why you pay a small fee to uh, have access to all of the many benefits and valuable features there. And that's at plantology.org. And it is actually private, right? The, the um, most we don't, of the forums. We don't, we don't harvest your data. We don't sell it to anybody. There's no scraping. There's no dossier. Uh, it's text Google getting to know. What's that? Google doesn't it or whatever. That it doesn't show up in search results. Oh, oh right. right. And so there's a whole section, all of the tech forum section at Appliantology. People who aren't actual tech members, they can see the topic title, but they cannot read what's actually what actually goes on inside the title, inside the topics. And Google, none of the search engines can even see inside there. That that is dark web to them. They they simply do not have access to it. And and I'm definitely not doing it. I don't have any interest or or uh, desire to go through and and come on. I mean, that's just not our business model. Our business model is techs helping techs. That's right. And that's what we do at appliance at uh, mastersamuraitech.com as well. We have structured online training just to remind people of that. And you can subscribe to this podcast at mstradio.com. We have the you can get just the audio portion of this podcast or go to our YouTube channel at mastersamuraitech.tv, just an easy way to get to our uh, channel on YouTube. And our newsletter again is at mstnow.com. Just another quick, convenient, easy to remember link to get to the sign up page for our newsletter. So keep right. up and with us, stay connected with us. And wherever you listen or, or watch us, please leave a review so that maybe it will lure other people into our web. Yeah, and it helps promote the whole uh, whole podcast. We're just basically trying to serve the tech community uh, in, in the appliance tech community. Uh, getting out information that uh, we know techs are interested in and talking about different aspects of the biz. Right. Just like, I mean, this this conversation with Justin is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. I mean, Justin just, you know, has been at Appliantology for years and, and just of his own goodwill, wanted to spend time to to help out other techs. And Help his in brethren the in the craft. I yeah, know, it's awesome. This, we hope to do this more, too, um, with other guest co-hosts, if you're interested you're at Appliantology, uh, just you know, send me, shoot me a PM, private message over to Appliantology, and uh, yeah, we'll, we can do the same type of thing. You got some uh, particular uh, thing you'd like to talk about, aspect of the business or something, that, that'd be awesome. So. Yes. All, All right. right. Well, well, time for me to go uh, explore Cincinnati. Yes. Enjoy Cincinnati, and, uh, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up here hang out on the beach or whatever maybe uh maybe you can tell the boats they don't have to stop crossing behind you now because <laughs> you, you you can uh <laughs> we're about that, to stop filming it's funny you say this <laughs> because um you know because we i started using this background uh last or in the last episode we did and i was you know yucking it up and we're, we're we're joking about you know, life in fiji fiji international headquarters and all that oh yeah i was out windsurfing and hiking somebody emails me and goes and he's apparently watched the whole thing. Said, "Yeah, I was watching the whole time. I didn't see any boats or birds fly by. You must think people are morons." <laughs> so, well, we maybe we do now. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, <laughs> some people, some people just don't get get humor. But uh, yeah. we're just, which is, it's fun to goof around, you know. It is. Like, can't so, be too serious all the time. No, no. There's enough of that. So, well. Hun, have a great day. Enjoy your visit out there in Cincinnati with Ivy and Nico. 
I will. Thanks. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks and everybody for watching. You. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks again. Sayonara.